0: Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 98 for Monday, July 20th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan and joining me as always is my friend Johnny,
1: also known as Pixel Riffs. Good day, sir. Hello, hello, and if you enjoy hearing about fireworks, not hearing the fireworks themselves, but hearing about them, uh, we just had a pretty long conversation in the pre-show, The Render Distance, which you can get from uh, patreon.com slash thespawnchunks if you join our community of patrons, where, yeah, I feel like we're missing fireworks a little bit and not entirely certain if all the fireworks-based events around here are going to happen, so I, I feel like <laughs> some some Minecraft firework displays might be uh, coming up in the near future, but outside of that, we are... Uh, we're feeling it a little bit we'll we'll see um yeah the the render distance can be found at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks and let's let's talk about what we've been up to in minecraft this week i
0: have been digging in the depths of the nether i i have a new project that i've been working on uh, and it's an exercise in hmm Eating my hat, which is not happening, by the way. <laughs> uh, just I, I've seen a lot of people uh, talking about how much they like Blackstone in some of the YouTube videos that I consume. And I am confused by this because I, I do not hold the same opinion as some of you may or may not have, have realized. Uh, however, um, on the Citadel, where we updated to 116 and we have trimmed the chunks, we have about 100 blocks uh, before you get to new chunks from the center of our nether hub. So um, from the safety of the nether hub, you can't just go mining for ancient debris right away because you're not going to find any because it doesn't generate in existing chunks. So it gave me an opportunity to build something. And I thought, well, you know, it would be really neat to have like a netherite hall, you know, something that's not made of netherite, but it's like where you go to get ready to then go hunt for uh, ancient debris, netherite, blackstone, whatever you're mining for in the nether at the, at the bottom of the world and uh as it's supposed to be perhaps an ancient structure so i've decided i thought i'd try to use some of the new nether blocks to experiment with them learn how to use them and stuff like that including blackstone uh so i have been mining for blackstone and building with blackstone and people that have been tuning into my streams have been just like what's going on what have you done with joel yeah (laughs) exactly um but no i wanted i wanted to be able to not just look at this in a creative world uh throwing it around in in uh the overworld or the the nether and just kind of like passing judgment on it without really trying to experiment with it and seeing what it can and cannot be used for um and as per you know our discussions on the show before i've come up with the fact that it's basically a decent background block if you're talking about the basic blackstone like not the other stuff that you make from it just like the stuff that you mine into the ground if you decide to place it back down again as a backdrop to a wall, you know, like the black background, or you know something that has a little bit of texture, then mm-hmm. um, it's actually not so bad. Um, I don't mind the side texture of it as much as I thought I would. Uh, a lot of times when I'm when you're flying around in creative, you're usually high, and so when you're looking down at the top of blackstone, it looks remarkably like cobblestone. Intentionally, I'm sure, as it tends to be able to blend in to, that way better. Uh, but it also has a lot more contrast on the top of it than it does on the side. And the side of it is much closer to obsidian. It has larger chunks, like larger stone textures in it. Uh, there, and it's also more subtle. So uh, I've been able to use that in a couple different places. Um, but honestly, I'm mostly using it as like lining a long drop down to the bottom of the world that you will pass by in seconds. <laughs> uh, I'm also using black stone stairs at the very base of some pillars and i'm going to throw some uh, images into our chat you have them already but some of our live listeners will be able to check a look at these and see what i'm doing uh, now i do have a custom black nether brick texture which does help uh, in some of these situations but the blackstone i'm using is at the base of the pillars that i'm putting up uh, it's also uh, in the background of some of the um, smaller images and smaller areas as like a background to a recess like you've got a wall of 100 blocks and you've got like little sections of three that you've got pillars in and then i'm putting blackstone behind the pillars so like it's really not even forefront uh and in the nether it's so dark that you really can't see too much of it and it does kind of give a nice texture in that way um it i was surprised um when working with it how frustrated i was that it's not a directional block
1: yeah because yeah, I, like... I
0: would love to use it in in the side texture in the same way that you can use basalt right
1: Yes, yeah, basalt is actually surprisingly versatile, even though there's only two variants of it. You can actually yeah. have it be placed in a variety of directions, like logs, and we, we've remarked on the show before that it's more like a log than it is a stone type, mm-hmm. because of the directionality of it. And so, yeah, it, it is kind of frustrating at times when you can't do that with blackstone. And it makes sense as well, because there's certain formations in which blackstone generates in the nether, that I think adding directionality to those would be kind of odd, but then I don't think basalt doesn't generate sideways typically anyway so i'm not certain no. why they decided not to give the directional uh directionality to blackstone but i guess that's it, it's kind of aping what stone does in a way because you don't really have rotational aspects to stone or stone bricks either so giving no. those giving that to blackstone arbitrarily maybe feels like something you know they didn't want to do
0: but the difference there is that stone and stone bricks have the same texture in all six sides. It's true. Yes. Right. And so, and that's where I was frustrated. I, I want to put a ceiling on this nether hall, and I haven't decided what I want to put up there. Um, it's in the. It's underneath the lava lake, so what's really cool is that the ceiling is going to constantly drip um lava drops which is going to look amazing uh and so i thought a darker block would look good because then those block those drips would highlight but i don't like the top bottom of the blackstone so i don't think i'm going to be using blackstone for that i'm going to have to try to find something else and um the 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 side texture i've decided that i do like the hard part with the blackstone stairs is that from the top the top of the stairs have the top texture. And then from the side, it has the side texture. So yeah. it's really noisy. Uh, I haven't used the polished bricks, but for one or two blocks at a time, this is where my my use of Blackstone really falls off, even after trying multiple times. And I, I did a, like a three hour stream on Saturday where I was just just troubleshooting and trying to figure out how to use this block. And ultimately the polished and the polished bricks just they're just so high contrast and they look so new but noisy they don't really fit the way that anything else does with the blackstone so i i've only used them very sparingly only because polished blackstone is closer to color and tone to regular basalt not the polished basalt but the regular basalt so if you're mixing polished stone and basalt they're very similar in color and so that's what i've done with some of the pillars um also cauldrons work very well with basalt um i've i've been uh, as you mentioned with basalt being very versatile uh i i do find that polished basalt looks a little bit too manufactured if you're trying to do any kind of like old ruined type thing um it looks like you can a little bit too much like a tree uh both versions of basalt if you put anything more than two of them together in a line you do start to see the stripiness. but we see that with um, stripped logs and stuff already um it's a texture technique i think to look them made to make them look more round yeah um wh- and when they're by themselves the unfortunate effect of when you put them all together is that they get very stripy. um so yeah i haven't really had a lot of luck with it it's the the build to kind of like i took the easy road that the build is meant to be an ancient hall so i'm kind of building with the intention i think it was designed for um but still struggling with with blackstone um the other thing that i have done and found and have i guess uh, achievement unlocked um i found 13 pieces of ancient debris nice Uh, i assume uh, assume
1: you've you've been mining for blackstone basically underneath the the ground then because that was going to be my next question was are you going to basalt deltas to get your blackstone or are you digging underneath the uh like the lava level of the nether to find it so we've I've only
0: found one basalt delta and it was only just last night that isn't like kind of like part of our scenic nether sort of sure, thing. So yeah, yeah. the ones that we found right away, we kind of decided, well, don't strip that one because that's not great. Um, but the ones that we are going to, um, I we hadn't found one until recently. Um, but I was also in clearing this giant, like this this room is... 21 by 21 by 7 the hallway is 96 by 7 by 15 so like it's a large area yeah so i was just finding blackstone naturally just clearing out areas and and i was eventually i did have to go looking for blackstone and so that's when i was finding the ancient debris i wasn't looking for ancient debris i was looking for blackstone um ended up with an awful lot of quartz and all kinds of great stuff too but but yeah, I, I haven't done anything with the ancient debris because um, true to the to the, a lot of the chatter I see socially online about um, uh, ancient debris and uh, netherite in particular, people are not super um, happy with the netherite tool texture. Yeah. Um, very, very indistinguishable from stone, especially if you have the enchantment glint still enabled.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's that's what I get a lot of people probably joking yeah. about in my in my Twitch chat, but I do see people occasionally saying, you know, what are you using stone tools? And I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's <laughs> it it looks different enough to me, but maybe because I play this game constantly, you know, <laughs> it's probably a little bit more difficult for people to discern the difference if they are less familiar with the game or just don't know about Netherite yet. Yeah. Yeah, and that
0: and that's the thing is that I um i already have a custom tool um texture for my diamond tools just because i I find the blue kind of silly Uh, but also just as a designer i find it very easy to change the shape of something as a way to identify it so silhouette and color are both different on my pickaxe for for diamond stuff which is great um very easy to distinguish between an iron pickaxe and a diamond pickaxe for me in game on twitch where the video is small for people that sometimes people get confused and they ask but but I think what I want to do for netherite is the same thing. I'm going to take my diamond um, custom tool textures. I like the netherite block texture quite a bit. So yeah. I think I might take a look at that block texture and then try to design something that's a little closer to um, to, to netherite for my tools. I also don't use an enchantment glint anyway. Um, so that'll, that'll be fun. I haven't done anything with them. I have enough for two pickaxes and a set of boots, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, it's four ancient debris equals one ingot equals one tool that you can then or yeah. one item that you can then augment on the smithing table yeah. so um i'm gonna roll with boots a pick and i don't know what else i'm not sure if i'm gonna go pants or if i'm gonna just do a second pick or sword or i, I don't know
1: i think second That's... pickaxe is a good choice i think uh mm. if you end up using a lot of the warped stuff which i know you're not a big fan of the the warped and crimson stems but you tend to if you're farming those uh having a reliable hoe to use on Mm -hmm. the the warped and crimson wart blocks it's funny I I keep calling them crimson wart even though they are nether wart blocks and have been in the game for a while you know Uh, but the the ones that form the leafy areas of those giant fungi are a pain to clear because they don't despawn naturally so you end up using a hoe way more than you would expect to if you are doing any farming of those trees especially if you want shroom lights because I find a lot of people really like shroom lights um mm. and so i've been trying to get hold of some of those myself and have found having a very durable hoe uh pretty useful i have a ton of diamond ones anyway but just from raiding woodland mansions where they regularly appear as loot uh but i feel like having a netherite one just for the extra durability alone is potentially worth it
0: yeah and so i i'll have to look into all of that kind of stuff because i do i do plan to use and want to use some of the I don't know if the logs and the wood are really out there, but the nether the wart the warped wart blocks and the um, nether wart blocks, of course, are very bright, colorful, fun things. And when you want to when you've got some modern city builds and you want to use something that's bright and colorful, the, but it isn't as matte as like a concrete, like just yeah. just just no texture in a concrete. If you want something a little bit more vibrant for something or other, I don't know, you could use this carpet, wallpaper, all kinds of really cool stuff. And um, and because we can farm this stuff so easily with just bone meal and and nylium, then um I'm gonna need a hoe, I think. And plus, like you said, shroom lights I think are gonna be are gonna be fun. I do I do wanna steal your idea somehow and get like a magma block shroom light lava flow going somewhere. I'm not sure where, but we'll we'll figure that out at a later date. Yeah, that's um, what I'm
1: that's what I'm gonna be doing this week, basically. Um oh, nice. fo- following the theme of my main town area on the survival guide world, which is all centered around a ravine that I decided was gonna be a source of geothermal energy for the town in the kind of lore of the world. Uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun to have a sort of volcanic biome nearby, uh, in a sense, and have the entire thing be based on, like, you know, magma flows from underground, creating all of this energy, and maybe one of them has spilled over at a certain point, and there is magma and shroomlight kind of coming down the mountainside by some of the houses, so I'm now farming shroomlights for that, and farming those manually is quite tricky, because of the amount of excess blocks you have the the shroom light to everything else ratio is pretty low um so so you end up really having to go through the warped and crimson fungus for that uh so i've ended up making a uh a shifting floor farm kind of like the farms you see people making flower forests to get large amounts of, of a specific type of flower i've set one of those up to create uh warped and crimson foliage now so I got one of those and that was after spending uh, an entire week in both the nether and bedrock edition um, surviving and it's it's a very positive experience actually I I mentioned this on the show last week but I will double down this week and say that nether survival is actually a really fun way to play the game definitely gives me a renewed experience for a lot of the stuff that is probably going to be easily overlooked by players who are already at endgame um, if you've got Elytra and you're exploring the nether quite easily, then stumbling upon a structure is probably one of those things that you go, oh cool, there's a bastion or a nether fortress there, cool, now I know where that is. But if you are actively seeking them out, because it's one of the most reliable ways of getting loot, like uh, saddles and iron and potentially diamonds when you have to go looking for those, um, it's it's really nice having a strider to do that. Uh, and I don't think many people are going to be using Striders outside of the context of some sort of nether survival challenge. But I think it's it's really fun. Uh, uh, that mini minigames. I feel like Striders might be kind of fun for like a, a lava racing minigame because of how you have to manage your speed when you're sprinting with them and stuff. But yeah, like Striders, Nether Fortress and Bastion loot... And the fear of death in general, I feel like is some of the things that get overlooked when you're as advanced as I now am in my main java survival guide world, and it's kind of nice to return to the point where all of that stuff is important you know
0: I was seeing um seeing that in my own playthrough and just that rush to the nether that I did when one sixteen first came out that fear of death um I missed having the stuff that I wanted to to play with, but i did enjoy having that peril like you're just you're not a rock star anymore <laughs> you know yeah uh i like i like that feeling it it did make it feel like a new game and kind of reminded you like hey this is what survival's like early game and uh because we're i'm spoiled i have you know i we're end game server that kind of kind of stuff although i did i did um play around uh in some nether uh what were we in? we were in crimson forests warped forests and uh a, a very small basalt delta last night with uh, alistair on the server and he was exploring on foot for fun, uh, and I was helping out with some sightseeing, and i I had a light but I was trying to stay on foot next to him so I could help and uh boy, can you get turned around in those forests, yeah something fierce mm-hmm. like it is, yeah, like you can i can I can totally understand like if you're not really paying attention if you're not leaving stone, torch, you know cairns on your way so you can find your way back, it is very very dense uh and um and hoglins are no joke and i you know end game as we all were we were still i was wearing an elytra uh alistair had on gold armor and so neither one of us were really decently you know defended plus my boots and my pants are iron like i'm not you know I'm not rocking diamond everything. And uh, when you get three or four hoglins chasing you, it, you have to deal with it. It's not like, uh, oh, I'll just turn around and shoot these. You're like, oh, that was three arrows and he's still running at me. Yeah, <laughs> We have we have to contend with this, you know?
1: Yeah, strangely, I found myself not worried too much about hoglins on Bedrock Edition because you could just spam click them still and that kept them at a oh. reasonable distance. Um, mm. And even without like having knockback enchantments or anything like that, it was still enough to keep them at bay. Uh, for a while. Um, Because Bedrock Edition never got the weapon damage rebalance that Java did with the 1.9 combat update, I was finding that one of the piglins traded me a netherite hoe super early. That was the most effective weapon i had for a while because it did six damage on account of being <laughs> netherite tier which was better than the stone sword was in the beginning so for a while there i was working with that as my main weapon and it was losing durability all over the place as a result but it was good to get me out of some tight spots uh, despite that i still had several very avoidable deaths and i think mark, mark it down to my inexperience with bedrock edition because one of them was um I I dismounted a strider after putting it in like a little lava lake area and then I got off the strider while it was still in the lava assuming that it would work the same way Java Edition did and just put me on the nearest available solid block. It turns out on Bedrock Edition you just dismount in the same block as the strider and I immediately sank into lava and I was going for a fire resistance potion in my inventory but I didn't get it out in time. Um, so that was- that was avoidable. The second avoidable death, entirely my fault, was opening an ender chest in a bastion while surrounded by piglins, because i I'd been blocking off the chests to block their line of sight, or if they got angry at me, just, you know, give them a, a barrier that they couldn't get past and wait for them to- to stop being angry at me, but then I completely knocked that down and immediately went to an ender chest to try and store some of the stuff I'd just stolen from them, so justifiably they- they immediately got mad. Um... And yeah, I, I do still think it's a little bit strange that uh, storage blocks that don't even exist in the Nether to begin with, like Ender chests and Shulker boxes, are the target of you know Piglin aggro. But then again, it did add to the challenge of it, and it it was it was one of those wake up call moments where I thought, wait, I have to be playing this a lot smarter than I currently am. So that was a bit of fun. If you want to see the next level of this challenge by the way i would encourage anybody who's interested in checking something like this out to go and watch sliced lime streaming because whenever he's you know not on the legacy smp which i believe he's a part of he is streaming a half heart hardcore challenge oh right um at where you reduce your life points to one in hardcore mode so if you take damage of any variety at all even if you take like full damage from falling four blocks instead of three then that's you dead. Um, and I-, I tuned into his stream um, a couple of nights ago now just to see what was up. And he, uh, he- he's he got to play the game in a very precise way. You can't be blasé about collecting resources. He spawned next to a crimson forest, so he was immediately able to get wood. But then, of course, the piglins could attack him more or less right away. So he had to stay around groups of zombie pigmen who would scare the piglins off for long enough that he could harvest a couple of trees, block off some areas of gold so that the piglins wouldn't see him mining that, and then get enough gold nuggets from those patches to make himself some gold boots. And he was having to be way more careful about the progression of everything. And from that point onwards, yeah, he, he, he managed to get himself a decent way. But then, of course, from there, you've got to look for blackstone if you want stone tools. I assume ultimately the goal is to either get to a certain level of tools or get back to the overworld. Um, Which can be done with wooden tools if you have the patience to mine gold with tools that break every so often and are kind of slow. But I like the concept of that, probably not something I'll attempt myself because I will make too many mistakes, I'll be a little bit reckless or impatient when I play, I'll take some full damage and then again some easily avoidable deaths will happen but it's it's a really interesting if you want to take that like hardcore challenge to the next level or if you want to take nether survival to the next level really interesting way to play
0: i am tempted by something like a hardcore because for me the the idea of doing a single player world is not as appealing because i just if i'm going to put that kind of a time investment into something it's probably going to be the citadel but if it's hardcore then it will ultimately have an end and like you said probably of my own stupidity (laughs) so it would be a short-term commitment knowing knowing that I probably wouldn't last that long uh and again like you said might introduce some of those early game uh fear mechanics you know where you really don't want to lose the progress that you've made um but yeah I have watched I have watched some of the Slice Lime uh half hardcore uh when he was doing overworld stuff and even then I was just like (laughs) dude, like, I don't know, I would be so stressed out this whole time, you know, like, he's, he was doing a sugarcane farm or something and being very careful. yes, <laughs> just, just planting sugarcane, like, oh my god.
1: It's actually very simple to set up as well once you know the right commands. The it's I think it's three commands he inputs just to start the nether survival thing. He loads up a new world, opens it to land so he can enable cheats, sets his HP to one, teleports himself to the nether roof, and then uses the spread command from there that allows you to distribute players evenly amongst survivable terrain so that he doesn't just teleport himself into a wall in the nether and die instantly. Um, right. And so that setup works very well. And once you know those three commands, it's just something you can reproduce over and over again. And in some cases, I, I tuned in, he died within about five minutes and then he just set up the entire thing a second time and it took him you know 30 seconds to to get mm-hmm. the whole thing set up so nice. pretty easy to do and you can just quit the world so it is saved to your menu and then you know load in and cheats will be disabled again and you'll be able to to get on with it but yeah super fun i recommend checking it out
0: Moving on to the news, it's a very light snapshot this week. We've got Minecraft Java Edition Snapshot 20w29a. Full notes will be at minecraft.net from our show notes, but the uh, long and short of it is that tools are now sorted based on material in creative inventory. Spawn point and set world spawn commands now have an angle parameter, so players can spawn facing a specific direction by default. Customized world generation now has a world gen noise setting folder, which can contain noise configurations. Many, I actually say many, a handful of bug fixes. Uh, one of the notable bug fixes is that players in spectator mode can now stop minecarts. Yeah, and I thought. Believe I, it or not, that's it.
1: <laughs> I, I thought I would bring up that bug in particular because it's something I ran into while I was using my camera account to spectate changes to my creeper farm. I I redesigned the creeper farm, I say redesigned, I literally took out alternating Wither Roses to prove that creepers and spiders would still spawn in the old Wither Rose farm designs just give them, you know, occasional spawnable spaces and it would still work as a, a somewhat viable if a little slower gunpowder farm. And uh, while doing that, I ended up accidentally stopping the minecart a couple of times using my camera account, which is very frustrating because that's how the collection mechanism for that farm worked. And I'm glad that that's been fixed because occasionally you'll want to, you know, spectate down into, I don't know, a slime farm collection mechanism to make sure it's still running or something like that and the player in spectator mode could stop a minecart but then not push it again to start it going so you've immediately right. got to go in there in survival mode or you know creative if you want to do that and um just nudge it slightly to start it going again it was it was just a, a giant inconvenience for a very very specific type of thing you're going to do so yeah i'm glad that's been fixed there were a few others in there as well but uh, i thought that one in particular was something i had specific experience of myself
0: yeah, some animation fixes and other things that are coming, which is cool. Um the the custom world generation thing, I'm still very curious about this. I kind of wonder if it's gonna end up being very niche audience. I I have taken the time, speaking of slice lime actually, he's doing a tutorial series on his YouTube channel for people that are more interested in the custom world generation setup, uh talking about um world types, uh also talks about the noise um controls in in this week's snapshot. Um it's all experimental so whether or not you want to take the time to learn how to do it knowing that it all could change in the future is i guess up to you um i do feel like it's going to be something very powerful in the hands of people a lot smarter than me when it comes to the under the hood minecraft stuff like the people that have created biome bundle or biomes of plenty, things like that yeah uh, i feel like it could be some really fun stuff coming down the tubes for modded players or for modded world players um obviously we've mentioned on the show that custom world generation could be very useful for things like multiplayer servers that are very busy and having like a mining desert you know uh world would be you know great for people that still want to have the the grind of survival experience but they don't want to have to worry about destroying certain areas of of the server um but in in trying to quickly uh look over what's involved like i the stuff that i'm seeing doesn't look all that appealing so i guess maybe It's so new that all the demo files are just that. They're just technical demo visuals. Nothing has really been tweaked to the point where it's actually aesthetic.
1: Yeah, and I I think the main thing that's going to stop a lot of players is the fact that it all has to be done through coding like JSON files and stuff right now. It's not got a GUI from within Minecraft the same way world customization used to. And I don't know if that is ultimately their end game with this stuff. It might be but I think it's going to be definitely more for the the data pack creation crowd, the map making crowd, who are probably the best place people to appreciate features like this anyway. But without the custom world generation being like a series of sliders that players can load up from the world creation screen and click and drag and that kind of stuff, I think you're going to find fewer players messing with this and i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing necessarily because sometimes it was very difficult through tweaking those sliders to get something that wasn't just a giant ocean with spikes of terrain that were completely uninhabitable which is what i tended to get anytime i messed around with like you know the noise values and the you know the maximum height map and that kind of thing but it um i think it could be very powerful like you say in the right hands and whether that becomes more accessible to players or whether players have to use Slice limes tutorials to kind of educate themselves about that stuff, and I'm sure other tutorials will emerge as well, but it's great to know that he's already out there making stuff like this. Um, I think it could do a lot for multiplayer servers or even single player projects if you want to do something a little bit different. I do know that there are a few people out there who are still playing in the, um, the Infinity April Fool's snapshot, because that's still accessible and still a really interesting survival experience if you want something just completely out there and different from your standard minecraft stuff um i think wattle still does uh, a series on the infinity snapshot so there's still some appeal to stuff like that and for people who want to do the digging i'm sure it'll be a very rewarding thing
0: i kind of wonder whether this kind of thing would benefit from like an online tool like very similar to having you know Amidst or other mapping tools for minecraft that more advanced players are using to choose the seeds so that they have the right amount of resources for their server for you know whatever their their plans are uh i think it would be nice to have that kind of visual like you said that kind of slider thing where maybe even if it is an online tool if you can say like increase noise decrease noise and watch those islands like turn spiky or get more round and flat even though it's not going to be a direct representation of what your seed will look like, it will be kind of like an idea of this is what this slider does rather than just like tweaking something and then wondering what it's going to look like on the other side, having some sort of visual messages saying like, oh, this makes things more spiky and aggressive. This makes things more round and flat. This will increase or decrease the water level, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, it could be some really uh, for people that can program in, in in Java and do those kind of interfaces and stuff. It could be really, really cool stuff.
1: Yeah, that, that sounds like a challenge to anybody out there who is uh, familiar with making that kind of tool. If you want to wanna take that on, then I'm sure that would be a, a really interesting thing for the community. Um, the fact that this week's snapshot is very lightweight still kind of makes me wonder if one sixteen point two is coming soon, or if they're still going to be tweaking custom world gen and just haven't had much player feedback on that score. Um, we were originally considering delaying my Patreon server until... 116.2, so that Piglin Brutes would spawn in bastions, um, because we were on 115 for a while and didn't want to update straight away because we were planning on resetting the Nether and we wanted to make sure everything was there. And then the point two release, when it was announced, I just thought, well, they're going to add the Piglin Brute and that's it. It's just going to be like, you know, next week we're going to get this. And now it's been a couple of weeks on. They're working on this custom worldgen stuff, and we've already migrated the server to 116.1 anyway and i'm quite glad we did decided to do that because otherwise people could have been waiting indefinitely for for this but yeah i i do wonder what um at this point if if they they feel like it is worth the balance of making sure all of this custom stuff is taken care of first so that that can be something the community plays around with while they continue to work on 117 in the near future it is kind of
0: strange that um one sixteen two didn't just come out and then one sixteen three is the world gen, you know, snapshot. You know what I mean? Like I'm surprised they didn't separate that out because the world gen stuff doesn't seem to affect the nether at all.
1: Yeah, I I think it it may just be a case of them wanting one sixteen point two to be like the last revision of this nether update. Um right. so yeah, I I don't know. May maybe they think it's gonna be worth uh releasing in the meantime, worth waiting for We will see. Uh, Let's move on to Chunk Mail, though. Seeing as we had quite a light snapshot, we can fill up the rest of the episode with you guys' emails. Uh, If you would like to email the show and and potentially get your questions read out on air, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Once again, that's spawnchunkmail at gmail.com we are still receiving a couple of emails to the old inbox probably people people listening to old episodes but we just use the old uh the spawn chunks at gmail.com for um, business and admin stuff now so if you want to get your message read out on chunk mail make sure it goes to the right address Uh, this one comes in from lisa this is the first email we're going to read uh the subject being bartering in skyblock hi in the last podcasts, you guys were talking about how overpowered piglin bartering is in the new update What effects do you think this might have on Skyblock survival? With bartering, you can get lots of gravel, string, and other items that are usually quite difficult to obtain in Skyblock. And what other ways do you think 116 bartering has an effect on Skyblock? Thanks a chunk, Lisa. I like that. Thanks a chunk. I'm going to start signing off my emails that way. (laughs) I
0: like that too. Uh, I'm going to defer to your extended experience in in Skyblock because I fell off the Skyblock train. Pardon the pun. Uh, However having renewable gravel in the nether in skyblock further removes the need for custom drops like zombies dropping gravel and uh, i believe also gives you an alternative to quartz and if you're running 16.2 then you'll get blackstone that way too but you have more time logged in skyblock like is this a game changer or is it just kind of like moving some of the existing map tweaks that exist now just to different locations
1: it's a bit of both um because Quartz, gravel, and soul sand are all things that were added as datapack loot table drops for um, for blazes in terms of quartz, gravel from zombies, and soul sand you got from wither skeletons. That is now all obtainable from piglin bartering. Nether brick is the other big one, because one of the issues that I ran into was building a nether brick platform for nether fortress mob spawns, and I don't know if this is actually a bug or may have been a bug at the time that might have been fixed since, but if you're trying to spawn fortress mobs in that larger nether fortress hitbox, uh, which is the only thing that it gives you access to, I think, in in that skyblock world, um, you have to spawn fortress mobs on a full block of nether brick. It can't be a slab at the right height. It can't even be a double slab that you know, occupies the space of a full block. It has to be an original full block of nether brick, which is very frustrating because I thought I was going to be smart with a limited resource because all you get, you don't get any nether rack, of course, in the skyblock world. You just get this tower made of nether brick that is effectively where the fortress hitbox is. Um, I ended up rendering all of the nether brick I had mined out of that useless by turning it all into slabs. And so I had to mine some more out to make my spawning platforms in the first place. Um... So having access to netherbrick means a little bit more um, potential for making interesting netherbrick spawning platforms for fortress mobs as well. Um, Other stuff in that is the bartering loot table has changed a little bit, so there is some stuff that is no longer in the bartering table in one sixteen point two. I have a feeling that string may have been taken out, or magma cream I'm pretty sure was also taken out, so there are some things that you're still going to have to get uh, from that. But the... The other stuff that it gives you, stuff like gravel, is going to be—it's going to be great to have a renewable source of that anyway for vanilla gameplay. But um, yeah, ha- having it in Skyblock is going to be great. I think the new version of that map by Doctor Trog, the-, the the one that I found on Planet Minecraft, actually now spawns you in the Nether to start off with for the the Nether update version of the map and the first thing you have to do is get back to the skyblock island in the overworld. So instead of the race being get hold of obsidian for your first, um, for your first nether portal and, and find a way to do that, instead it became about bartering with piglins enough and generating blackstone so that you can make stone tools in the nether, and then finding your way back to the overworld from there to start the traditional skyblock experience. So I'm actually considering starting skyblock again, just to work with some of the new mechanics and see how all of that stuff gets affected. Plus, my 115 Skyblock world—if I updated it uh, to 116.1 or two—I uh, wouldn't have access to half of the materials, like Nyleum, so I wouldn't be able to get warped in Crimson Wood. So, I think it's going to be a deeper experience now uh, playing Skyblock in 116.2. Piglins definitely adding to that. They're, they're effectively like uh, the Wandering Trader is to Skyblock now, where actually they have a bunch of really useful resources, which outside of the context of it being a vanilla default world where terrain is everywhere and you can get that stuff from other places, piglins suddenly become a vital resource for getting some of the stuff that is otherwise not really obtainable.
0: Uh, As I'm building another right hall out of Blackstone, with or at least blackstone accents like yeah i'm definitely looking forward to getting some blackstone from piglins uh rather than looking for it at the bottom of the nether uh uh, if you start in nether in skyblock does that mean like you start in a platform in the nether in skyblock or is it like a full nether
1: uh i believe you start you start in a platform in the sky it the the changelog for the map says it's added uh additional islands to the nether now which have the individual crimson forest warped forest biomes and right. stuff in so effectively what you get when you start in the nether is what you would get in the overworld where islands are at a distance and you have to generate some stuff just to uh, get around to those other islands fun 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 yeah
0: that that would be an interesting way to play to play that that uh, there would be a neat, neat way to hone your skills before even trying a nether survival in traditional you know just a straight up normal survival world would be try to try to do the skyblock version
1: yeah yeah, it's, it's, it's super fun. The, uh, the, the other side of it being that you have to be pretty familiar with the mechanics already. Skyblock is always one of those things that's a um, kind of a challenge to how much you remember about Minecraft mechanics and renewable right. resources in particular, but you know, mob spawning and stuff plays a huge part of that. So it's going to be interesting to see how people adapt to a new generation of Skyblock with nether survival being at the forefront of it.
0: Moving on to our next email from Logan LoganDudeTend, finding ancient debris. Hi, Johnny and Joel. Me and a friend have been hyped for the Nether update and are super excited that it is now here. We really want to find ancient debris, but can't seem to find any. Any tips on what biome to go to or how to mine out large areas to find some? I did see Mumbo's Netherite mining trip but we don't have Grian to sell us infinite TNT. Love the show. Logan Dude, 10. Sounds like a Hermitcraft fan. If I ever seen one,
1: (laughs) Uh, what gave you that impression? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so my, I've been seeing multiple different techniques of, of mining, uh, ancient for ancient debris, uh, and having not really spent much time specifically looking for it. uh, Uh, I do have some anecdotal stuff that I think might be useful for people that are seeing a lot of beds and TNTs and like all kinds of really crazy techniques, uh, I've been straight up mining two by three tunnels at Y13 in the nether spaced apart by two blocks like a regular branch mine. Uh, I don't really know if I have any better luck in specific biomes that I quote unquote know are new. Uh, Because we updated the chunks on the Citadel, it's hard for me to tell whether a Nether Wastes is an old Nether Wastes or a new Nether Wastes. The only clue is like gold or Blackstone present. Uh, Everything else looks the same uh, when you're at Y13 and you can't see anything. So uh, I have been getting, I don't think I've spent a lot of time in my streams mining specifically. So I've got 13 Ancient Debris, from i'm gonna say maybe two to three hours of of play in the in the basement of the nether um the bonus when you do it this way is that you get lots of quartz and blackstone uh and nether gold and gravel so uh if you and if you take the time to mine those out it will take the we'll say boring task of just straight up branch mining out of it because then you have a break of mining in a straight line to then remove all the gravel or remove all the blackstone and as a result you're also mining uh vertically and diagonally in these random patches that kind of help you explore i have been noticing that i've been finding more ancient debris when i have not been looking for ancient debris yeah <laughs> so uh, murphy's law you know uh, things that can and will happen won't i don't know uh basically You just have to clear out a large area and eventually you will find some Uh, i don't know whether strip mining like completely removing entire swaths of the nether is the best way Um, i can't be bothered to deal with all the fires that are left behind my beds Uh, i don't have a tnt duper on the citadel so any tnt that i use it's crafted so i don't really feel like using it for mining especially where i've got diamond tools and i can blitz through um netherrack quite quickly but i have found that um mining higher tunnels like don't just do like a little one by two or a two by two i find that if you go up by two or three or almost as high as your pickaxe can can reach you tend to expose a lot more um the one other benefit i find of doing branch mining is that any kind of pockets of lava that you hit are a lot easier to deal with than Mm -hmm. if you have exploded something and then you get lava that then fans out over six or twelve blocks where it's just you know you can just block it off plug the hole and keep going if you're doing branch mining but i know you've been spending a lot of time uh on on your streams mining for ancient debris so what, what are your tips for for logan
1: i feel like this has become my specialist subject now because yeah i've 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 been putting in the time um as of this email i have mined 634 ancient debris according to the stats in my Minecraft survival guide world. Weird flex, um, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I am I am I'm heading towards, you know, I I want to make myself a Netherite beacon. I want to do the full Netherite beacon thing just because it it also gives me something fun to do to chill out and just mine or blow some stuff up and talk to my chat in streams. So I've been doing this a lot on Twitch streams just for a few hours uh, a couple of times a week and um I started out doing the branch mining method or at least mining long tunnels and starting at y16 and then doing a diagonal at y14 so you still end up exposing all of the blocks around that area and just kind of mining holes making it look kind of like swiss cheese in the nether but then you end up with um as much of those blocks in that chunk exposed as possible so you'll potentially end up finding the ancient debris if there is any in that chunk and they should on average be one or two veins per chunk um Apparently, from what I read on the Minecraft wiki, and people have done an analysis of ancient debris spawn rate per layer, uh, Y15 on average has the most ancient debris, so you should probably be mining around there. Um, I've ended up mining out a lot of netherrack that way, and I decided that it was probably going to be slightly faster to locate it using explosives because it just it removes the aspect of having to you know churn through your inventory get rid of all the netherrack and the stuff that you don't want and while most of that will just despawn on the floor anyway It just clears out a larger area faster so that you can just get to mining specifically the ancient debris and specifically the stuff that you want. You do have to contend with lava for which, you know, I bring fire resistance potions with me now, most of which are just bartered from piglins at this point anyway, so it's it's mostly fine. Um, And I've had decent luck using the bed method lately, but that's mainly because I haven't remembered to afk at my mob farm to make more gunpowder, to get myself some more tnt and i've been doing occasional sand farming as well to to get myself some more tnt went through about a shulker box of it on one stream got a hundred ancient debris just from that uh so that's pretty good but that requires you to be able to craft a shulker box of tnt which means a lot of gunpowder farming if you if you have the you know multi-tier mob farm to be able to do that um and the bed method typically from what i've heard people say anecdotally i believe nembon has a really good video about the the best method of doing this or one of the more efficient methods of doing this which is to mine along a chunk border just do a a, you know a tunnel just big enough for the player to go through sort of one by two tunnel and then dig poke holes to your left and to your right place a bed in each of those and then explode those to the left and right hand sides and that way you're basically covering two chunks at once with the explosion you've got You know one bed blowing up a large area to your left in the chunk on the left and then the chunk on the right also gets covered and through doing that and just continuing a tunnel straight on and then checking to the left and the right with the beds every eight blocks or so you end up blowing out a pretty large area and making sure that you cover a a pretty broad swath of of the nether the other thing i've been doing is just digging a long tunnel placing TNT all the way back down the tunnel, maybe you spaced one or two blocks apart so that the chain reaction will keep going, and then just lighting it at the other end with a flame bow and watching the entire thing set off in a chain reaction, which is the advantage of TNT, is the fact that you can be away from it for uh, you know a good distance, unlike beds where you have to be up close and hiding behind a block so it doesn't just explode you, uh, and the TNT chain reaction will just blow out a large tunnel. You deal with a couple of pockets of lava here and there, Swim through them with fire resistance potions if you need to. And then all of the ancient debris is just hanging in the air ready for you to collect it. I think TNT is probably my favorite of the methods. But I think in terms of stress levels, it goes TNT and then mining because it's relatively chill. And then beds because they generate a lot of fire and they explode in your face. Uh, In terms of profit, TNT and beds are about equal for me. And then mining takes a little bit... it, It takes more effort to get the same amount of ancient debris it'd probably take about twice as long i would expect Uh, ultimately it's just about luck though (laughs) you know you're 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 gonna get lucky finding specific blocks and specific chunks it's much the same as mining diamonds you never really know if the wall of netherrack is going to contain another ancient debris behind it or not you just have to get lucky
0: and that's something that I've been finding, too, is like I'm going looking for blackstone and then not finding blackstone and trying to figure mm. out where the heck I can find blackstone. And it's like, oh, look, ancient debris. That's not blackstone. <laughs> yes, like, that's, that's not what I want. And so just whenever you're looking for something, you always kind of find the opposite stuff. But
1: yeah, uh, in, t- in thing- terms of in terms of biomes, uh, I'll just say you find ancient debris evenly and basically any biome that you're going to mine for it, whether it's nether wastes or one of the two forests, basalt deltas, soul sand valley should all have the same amount of debris in them in terms of world generation. I would avoid basalt deltas where possible if you're using explosives or if you're using the mining method because the terrain is much less blast proof and it takes longer to mine because you can't insta mine that stuff without a beacon. And if you want to set up a beacon there, then sure. But if you're at lava lake level or below, then you're going to have to clear out a huge amount of netherrack above you so that the beacon beam can reach the nether ceiling. You know, it's it's going to be yeah. a little bit more of a, an effort. Um, and if you're using explosives, I tend to begin at like Y level 12 or below so that you avoid opening up the lava lakes in the ceiling and having all of that stuff rain down on you. It'll still happen occasionally, but it's a lot easier to manage if you're not mining at Y 15 and then exploding stuff up to about Y20, where the bottom of those lava lakes is.
0: Yeah, I was having that experience too, where I was trying to decide what level to put the hall on. And I, I haven't done a lot of work on my build because I'm trying to figure out what would be the best level to be on. And I think I might even revise. I haven't gone so far with the build that I can't just lower it by a couple of blocks. Yeah. Um, that, that I think it might be beneficial to start at Y12. And ultimately, we're going to be standing at like 12.5 or 11.5 or something because I want... um. I want to be able to slab everything, so we don't have to deal with unwanted guests. Um, because it is a large open build, I don't want ghasts to spawn in any of the in any of the like the four by five areas that will be exposed between the pillars. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I um, I noticed in my mining for ancient debris that I feel. I feel the lack of uh when i did my strip mine which is just a great big open chasm below my witch farm i found a lot of diamonds a lot of redstone all that kind of stuff but i had water streams set up all over the place so that whenever my inventory was full i would just go over to a chest and dump everything i didn't need and it would eventually get spat out into a water stream and back up to my sorting system i am not letting a lot of the nether act is spawned on the floor because I'm using nether brick in a lot of the builds in the nether. So I'm smelting it all. I'm saving it as as much as I can. That's convenient. Uh, Obviously, I leave some on the ground, but I'm just stuck with bringing shulker boxes around and and filling them up and then running them back. And it starts to get a little bit tedious after a while. And I kind of wish there was a better way to transport items long distances in the nether yeah now that the nether has got such a feature rich environment and people want to spend more time there and they want to like do cool things and i just think it would be really neat to have some sort of transport for items that's i mean obviously water doesn't work and i get why it doesn't but something in there to help us move items that's not just an ice road because i'm not even sure how you would do that in a straight line i know how to do it in a circle for sorting systems to move things around pushing them around with pistons and an ice but to keep them going in a straight line it'd be difficult um yeah so your,
1: your other alternatives there being hoppers which can create lag and you know once yeah. the, once you get into unloaded chunks you encounter the same problem regardless of what the method is is if you're disappearing in the opposite direction to where these items are supposed to be going then eventually they're going to hit a point where the chunk unloads and then the item is just stuck there um, which isn't going to mean they'll despawn if they're out in the open. But if they're in a row of hoppers, then they're not going to proceed past that point until that area gets loaded up again. So yeah. if your tunnel is long enough that it's beyond your render distance and the load distance, then you're going to run into the same problem either way.
0: Yeah. And even then, just to have have something that's like halfway, you know, like just not be able to have to run
1: all the way back to the storage
0: room, you know in order to to move on and, and do that kind of stuff but but yeah it's it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of adventure to see how different people are coming up with different ways to get at, at the ancient debris
1: and on the subject of inventory stuff uh we have another email here from nayap who uh want to talk about terraria's inventory ideas and how those could apply to minecraft hello there i've been playing a lot of terraria which is a game which has a ton of different items with every update minecraft starts to feel more like this in Terraria, you have an extra inventory slot which works as a trash can. It can hold a stack of items, and when you put another item in it, the previous one gets voided. Uh, to avoid voiding special items, you can mark them as favorites. I think Minecraft needs a new inventory system in general, but this could be a good, uh, good start to deal with messy inventories. What do you think? And that one comes in from Nyapp. Uh, I've played a bit of Terraria myself. Have you played Terraria at all, Joel? Have you ever got into it? I've that? only
0: seen it played every once in a while. I think I've watched a little bit of uh, Python play yeah. it because uh, yes. he's a big into that and i know that i've tuned into one of your streams at some point when you were playing it but it was a long time ago
1: yeah it's been a while since i've really got stuck into terraria um and i think it's terraria terraria whatever i'm probably pronouncing it wrong but anyway um it's got some good ideas when it comes to inventory stuff because naap's email is entirely correct terraria is one of those games where they had ideas and they got straight into the game like where minecraft feels minimalist and restrained In its approach to adding stuff terraria is like the kitchen sink of of that approach it just it it, yeah everything goes in there um and so the uh the, the inventory sorting system has to be pretty smart and there are some aspects of it that work better because terraria is a 2d game as opposed to minecraft's 3d angle um but there are a couple of things that really work for it there is a way of quick depositing items into nearby chests that already contain the same item. So you can go back to whatever storage room you have and just hit quick stack. And anything that is not marked as keep this in my inventory at all costs just immediately gets transferred to all of the chests around you. Um, There is also, yeah, the trash can idea. And there are a few other things like auto sorting that are built into the Terraria inventory as a standard feature. Not to mention, I think it's a row or two... Longer and maybe a couple of rows wider as well, uh, a couple of columns wider. So, there are some good things going on in Terraria's inventory. However, my response to this is always that adding quality of life features like that potentially removes the need for some of the interesting inventions that come up within the Minecraft community. Like in the case of the trash can idea, there are community made contraptions like trash cans which will you know, throw items against a cactus or burn them in lava to get rid of them. And that's a Minecraft way of getting around the problem of needing to dispose of items. It's not something that you can set up everywhere, but you can just chuck items out of your inventory into lava. Um, Likewise, the quick deposit thing would basically remove the need for redstone sorting systems because you could just walk into a room, click one button, and then everything in your inventory would get sorted into chests. So I feel like it's... A good idea for quality of life and we know that minecraft needs some kind of inventory update inventory management update as things progress and more new stuff gets added but you need to make sure you're not treading on existing inventions that exist within the community and have kind of a legacy behind them at this point you know we've seen the the uproar about iron farm mechanics changing and how that effectively renders those contraptions obsolete And just having a single click button like Terraria does doesn't feel like a very Minecraft approach to the problem to me.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. Um, The direct correlation that I can bring to the table is uh, playing Satisfactory, which also has an inventory that grows exponentially as you continue to play that game and, and deal with more items and stuff like that. And they have a trash can in your inventory. But that game also has an inflatable pocket dimension as part of the lore, <laughs> so like <laughs> yeah. there, there is there's a there's a reason why you can kind of just like void stuff. It's also an experimental game and early access and all that kind of stuff. But, um, so I agree that like having world trash cans and having world sorting systems create things for players to do, and I think that's that's cool. I I love sorting systems. I don't want to not have to build one. Uh, the thing that I find frustrating, especially in my latest adventure with Blackstone, which by the way, there are 17 block variations of Blackstone if you include buttons and pressure plates. And when you are making all of them so you can test them to see which look the best in your build, and then you go into your inventory looking for the right kind of stair. Boy, can you get lost. And uh one of the things that Satisfactory does have is a sort button. And I think this would be pretty useful in Minecraft. I don't think it would necessarily break any kind of Minecraft um Gameplay to be able to leave your hot bar alone, so your you know number one sword, number two bow. However, a lot of people have their stuff set up. All stays the same, but if you could just sort your inventory to then stack the things that you have multiple stacks of together, uh, condense everything, and then maybe alphabetize things, it would go a long way. Uh, I think as the game has got quite a few items now, uh, as you're trying to figure out what is what and where you've put it. Um, that to me, I think would be One thing that I think would be a simple way to help the Minecraft inventory without a complete revamp, um, a sort button would would help considerably. Uh, As a tip though, as a quality of life tip, something that I do, this is how I can assort my stuff. I never take a full stack out of a chest. I either right click to cut it in half or I pick up the stack and I right click once to drop a single item back where it was. So that way, When i return to a chest i just shift click everything into the chest
1: yeah and there's a stack of it already there so it's sorted in the right order
0: sorts yeah now if you get overflow if like you've got more than you came out with then sure it's going to fill in the empty spots in that chest but it's a quick way for you to look at your inventory and go this is gobbledygook i just don't have the patience for this right now i will just go to a chest empty everything and then pull back what i need but because the chest has remained sorted manually uh I find it quite useful to to do that because then you can say okay well now I don't have the polished or the polished bricks or the polished brick walls in my inventory I know I only have the three different kinds of blackstone that I'm actually going to be using in the build that kind of stuff very useful I'm sure with all the different wood types and like when you get to multiple variations of things that all have the same shape stairs slabs that kind of stuff it's it's quite helpful
1: Yeah, I I think a sorting button would be kind of handy, and there are mods like Inventory Tweaks which add that to vanilla Minecraft, and the thing that's always rubbed me the wrong way about Inventory Tweaks is how it chooses to sort things. You can set up rules for how it does that, but that's a little bit more of a complicated situation. But if I want to have my inventory a certain way, I always like to keep an ender chest in the top left or top right corner, I keep all of my torch supplies on the left-hand side with, you know, coal and sticks and that kind of stuff. And then I keep general blocks and stuff in the middle. Shulker boxes, usually top row or on the right-hand side. And if you don't teach inventory tweaks how to sort stuff in a certain way, then it will rearrange it to whatever order it finds appropriate. And sometimes the categories it chooses are not the categories I would choose. So it's about introducing a smart way of doing that, that, where players are more particular with their inventory They're going to have an easier time with it, that it's going to kind of, if not learn their patterns intelligently, then have some way of them introducing their own patterns so that it's not going to completely disorganize their inventory instead of actually organizing it
0: our next email comes from anonymous and it is regarding multiplayer versus single player it was originally intended for the uh interview we did with uh Zumavoid in episode 96 but i thought it was still worth uh, bringing up on the show hi johnny and joel a couple of weeks ago you had x in the show and obviously he is the admin of Hermacraft, not forgetting that you two also run servers how do you run them and make them uh run smoothly yours faithfully anonymous uh i'll start off by saying that i am lucky in that infinity cove the patron server that i run has a great mod team and overall great community uh, a very active discord channel and there's a lot of communication which uh, eximavoid mentioned is key to a lot of multiplayer servers um, that's happening on the patron server so i have to do very little in terms of socially managing the the server Um, we did set things off in the right foot though Uh, at present uh, we've got default vanilla 1161. we will be updating to 1162 when it comes out Um, talking about adding fabric for performance stability um, there are around 20-ish players and I would say 10 of them are pretty active I don't think I've ever seen more than 6 to 10 on at once unless there's been a very specific server organized activity where people are logging in at on purpose at the same time Um, so performance wise we are not really taxing uh the current server setup we have lately though we have had some growing pains of people and coming and going from the server it's not a criticism it's just part of life it's part of an ongoing server um thing that you have to deal with so we're currently drafting a policy on how to um hold people's builds and spaces on the server if they're going to be gone for a long time or if they're going to be gone for a short time Uh, we have an infinity cove charter i believe pixel Rifts, i stole this idea from you Um, that people have to read and agree to before they get whitelisted on the server it is mostly just common sense written out so people can be clear on things but there are a few rules regarding streaming uh uh not uh, camera accounts that kind of stuff that we have outlined um just common, you know common courtesy things but we are adding now as we have more people and we're experiencing more fluctuation in the server population uh to say like hey if you're going to leave, make sure you're clearly communicating in the Discord that you are leaving if you're leaving permanently, if you care or don't care if the build that you did is is consumed by other people. Um, because ultimately, as people leave and as new people come in, we're going to be running shy on space if people want to play with and build near one another. Eventually, it's just going to be kind of hard if people are avoiding this one area that's from someone from, you know, six to 12 months ago because the server is now coming up on a year I think or two I can't remember I think it's a year so so yeah like as we've been growing we're kind of flexing the rules and kind of growing with it but ultimately to run a smooth server um, from a social standpoint it really does boil down to encouraging good communication Uh, I keep tabs on some stuff but honestly like I just don't have the time um, so I just trust the mod team and they bring anything to my attention that that needs doing. Uh, I haven't checked with you in a long time, Johnny. Like, how big is your patron server? Like, do you have a large mod team? Do you have a lot going on there?
1: Uh, it's me and a couple of other people who aren't around all that much. But I'm lucky, again, in that being a patron server, also people, you know, feel a little bit more invested because they are literally, you know, investing their own money in order to to be there. And it's, it's a reward for people who support me on Patreon. Um so people are naturally going to care a little bit more about that stuff and the you know socially the the flare-ups we have had have been incredibly minor um we had one instance of griefing a while ago and luckily enough at the time i was running a brilliant uh, spigot plugin called core protect Um, and spigot or bucket or uh, paper will all i believe run core protect and it's it's very very good for sorting out instances of griefing because it logs all the activity i think in probably this a similar way to how a replay mod or something like that would log the activity where it's actually keeping track of anything that has been placed or moved or you know any actions players have taken and you can roll back a certain amount of time so you can basically change a certain radius around you to how it was a day or two ago. So if somebody's shop gets blown up by TNT, then you know you can basically tell it roll back the last couple of days, and the shop will just be restored to the state it was a couple of days ago, which is a very very simple, effective, easy way of dealing with it. It will also tell you who has placed that TNT if you query that. So then you can deal with the people who are potentially causing trouble. Um, outside of that, uh, I took Azuma's advice and switched my server over to Fabric and Lithium. Uh, when we updated to 1.16, mostly for better datapack compatibility. And at that point, we had a couple of reports of laggy performance, but I think that was mainly down to people loading new chunks in the nether. Um, we eliminated that eventually by switching back to Paper, um, which is still potentially going to, you know, conflict with some of the datapacks we have installed, but that's relatively light. And uh, Fabric wasn't compatible with CoreProtect, and Paper was um so as a security plugin i feel like that's the most important thing my my community has i think maybe 80 or so players who are whitelisted on the server at any given time and they are i'd say maybe like you we have 10 or so of them who are playing like every day at various times around the world and there are probably a a larger cast of you know 20 or so who will dip in and out depending on how much time they have um it's kind of hectic handling a community like that, but I'm lucky in that they mainly handle themselves. Um, In terms of the running of the server, I check in every so often with the server admin console, which is something that if you're not familiar with server hosting, the server host will typically provide an area where you can log in and take a look at all of the log messages that minecraft is generating in the background not the stuff that players are chatting in game but server side messages that say people logging in people logging out anybody running like a whisper command to somebody else that shows up on the console log as well um and any commands the server is running regularly in terms of command blocks that are running you can assess conflicts with that it will also tell you if the server is suffering from a little bit of lag there'll be warning messages saying you know the server is running five thousand ticks behind or something in which case you've probably got a serious lag problem um yeah there's a lot of different tools out there that allow you to make your life easier as a server admin and i'm still what i would consider a novice about this because i've just been running a small community server for my patrons for a few years now And we haven't really had that many uh, incidents that we've had bad experiences or anything like that. But if you're running a server for a community of friends, you can pretty much guarantee that you don't need to do too much in terms of security. Whereas if you're running a server with a group of strangers, you might want to be a little bit more concerned with that. As far as the Hermitcraft perspective on it, I'm pretty sure they can run... uh, They run their server on a dedicated machine. So performance-wise, they have like a whole computer that is dedicated to running hermitcraft as opposed to buying server space on a hard drive that's probably running three or four other worlds simultaneously so in terms of performance they might have a bit of the upper hand there
0: this is not an advertisement but uh, i use cube toast for both the citadel and infinity cove um, infinity cove is actually a larger um, larger server imprint because of the, just the number of people compared to the citadel which is like six people um, but I find that their Prisma login, which is what you were talking about, Johnny, their their server admin UI on the web for looking at the back end, looking at the console, that kind of stuff. Very intuitive. It's very nice, clean design from a designer point of view. It's very easy to see what's going on. Very easy to know what you're looking at. Um, they give you access to the, like the files and the FTP that way too. So if, if you're not used to using an FTP, you can just use their interface, which is good because then you know where you're putting the files, things like data packs, that sort of stuff. Uh, so that's really nice, too. Also, I do find that the Cubed Host customer service to be very good. So if I have questions about how do I use Fabric, do I want to use Fabric, what kind of server should I set up in the first place, they were pretty helpful when I first reached out. So um, sometimes if you have more technical questions, it might be best to talk to the server host provider you're going to be going with because they might actually say, oh, actually, um, you're running Java, and that's going to run better on our single thread systems that are based in Montreal, even though that isn't the closest node to you geographically, it's the best node for you knowing what you want to do with the server. I thought that was great advice. So stuff like that can be can be very helpful. Um, also, from uh, to expand on a point that Johnny made in terms of th- people taking um patreon servers a little bit more seriously because there's money involved Uh, i would say that's very true uh even of just social servers so when people um are playing with me on the citadel um i did ask that they commit a little bit of money whatever they felt comfortable just for server upkeep and that just kind of keeps everybody invested you know like it it not only keeps um everybody on their toes now granted everybody on the citadel is my friend so everybody's on you know they're just friends everybody's in good behavior but Um, the, the differences there, I think that it also encourages players to play more often. So people that are, have busy lives, busy family lives, they tend to log in a little bit more because they are sending a couple of bucks a month, you know, to the server and they feel like they're invested. And as an adult, there's something about monetary exchange that makes you feel like you should do something. (laughs) So I have found that it's kept the server, more active by having some financial exchange also if you do it that way and you are doing it with either people that you've met online or friends that you can poke in the arm you're dealing with people that are probably going to have to be old enough to have a have a either a patreon account or have a paypal account and that rules out some griefers by inexperienced you know we'll say younger people that may not have the same sort of impulse control uh that i know example void mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago as well so
1: yeah, our last email this week comes from Mr. Booch 909 And we actually have another email that will follow up into this one quite well uh, from Duncan M. So I'm going to read these two in tandem and then we'll get into our last discussion here. Uh, so Mr. Booch says, Hi guys, I recently started listening to your show. I've been watching PixRiffs on YouTube for a while. Love the content and it's definitely sparked some inspiration in me to play Minecraft again. This is where my problem with my world slash play style comes in. I have a ton of material. I love to grind for resources, go mining and terraform. I just don't really know what to build once all that is done. I'm currently working on a nether island in my overworld. It's supposed to represent a glitch in the matrix in a sense, just kind of plop down into the overworld. It uses a mix of all the old and new uh, nether building materials. Other than the landscape though, I don't really know what to do for buildings. So where do you find the inspiration to build something? Do you always come up with a sense of lore for building before you start? Thanks for the high-quality podcast. Always listen when a new episode spawns in from an overworld far, far away, Mister Mr. Butch 909 So many good email sign-offs that I just need to be writing down. Um, but the next one comes in from Duncan M, and this is about multiplayer versus single-player. I think this w- was uh, also meant to be for the Azuma uh, show as well. Sorry, we didn't get around to that right away. But uh, Duncan M says, Just wanted to say, love your work, keep it up. Uh, what do you think are the pros and cons of multiplayer versus single-player? And would you ever want to switch to the opposite of what you currently do? Much love, Duncan. So I think these emails kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Some from the uh, the building perspective and some from the multiplayer versus single player perspective. Uh, what do you feel about this one, Joel?
0: So I think one of the pros in multiplayer Minecraft is being inspired by your server mates, Uh, or it's something as simple as just wanting to play Minecraft, but not sure what you want to do, being stuck on your old build on what to do next. You can always just log in and help somebody else. That's what I did last night. I was struggling with this Blackstone stuff. I wasn't sure what decisions I was gonna make as far as the full design level. And then I noticed Alistair was playing and he was going and trying to find stuff in the nether that I knew where it was. And so I kind of played wingman and I was shooting ghasts and making his life a little bit easier. We were chatting, just have, kind of having fun and playing and I wasn't building anything. I was just kind of hanging out with a server mate and I wanted to play Minecraft, but I wasn't sure what I was going to be doing next. So having a server mate who already had a mission in mind and just helping them helped a lot. Uh, and in exploring some of the, the nether biomes, I got inspired just by seeing the crimson forest and the warped forests up close, really taking a look at some of the mechanics of the new... Um, what are the what are the warped vines called? Uh, vines? Twisted, twisted vines. Twisted vines. Yeah, twisted vines. So like playing with those and bone milling those and seeing what those do and stuff like that. So I've got some ideas for future builds just from you know an hour or two of hanging out with Alistair. Um, often on a multiplayer server you'll have different zones if it's a long-standing server just to help keep things organized. Think you know the shopping district on HermaCraft or on the Citadel we've got the modern city, we've got a, a newly but not touched medieval zone. Uh, we've got lots of places where people can build redstone farms. And so if you have multiple zones, whether it's something that you've done yourself on a single player, or if it's something that you've done for organizational purposes on a multiplayer server, then you can kind of log in and play whatever you're in the mood for. Like if you really want to build a castle, if there's already a spot that, you know, you can build one, that's great. But if you log in and the whole server is all castles and you want to build a skyscraper, well, it can be kind of difficult. And so having different zones mean that if you're not in the mood to deal with, placing more bushes while you're you know customizing creeping vines up over a castle wall you just want to place a lot of blocks you can go to the modern city and build a skyscraper believe me it's a lot of the same block Mm -hmm. (laughs) um a con of multiplayer and this might be depending on your personality you do sometimes have to compromise for plans uh for other players uh boils down to good communication as we've mentioned a number of times this week but i know that the citadel is a bit of an exercise in my own ability as an artist and art director to let go (laughs) and let other people do things and um there's been lots of times where i've had plans for a certain area on the server and i've not voted or voiced those plans and then someone comes along and says hey can i build here and of course i have to say yes because i've not said that i was going to build there and then i have to adjust my plans or we have to work together and it's a good it's just a good personal exercise i find um I don't know whether it's just my personality, the fact that I work as an artist in real life, that I tend to be not so much my way or the highway, but I definitely want to, I have a vision and I very quickly get a vision and I often have to change that vision uh, on the Citadel. But it usually puts me into a corner, which is where good ideas spring from. So you can kind of like work together with other people. Um, I find that's also a great way for inspiration as well. For, um. Lore and stuff, we've talked about Laura on, on the, the this podcast before about um, getting ideas and kind of having a throughput. Uh, if you're not a creative type though, like if you're more of a technical minecrafter or if you just like the repetition of minecraft, lore can be overwhelming I find sometimes. So rather than just always focusing on story and stuff like that, you can just start with a loose sense of history. Um, my city build, the Southport on the Citadel, doesn't really have lore. It's just, we wanted to build a city. I kind of wanted it to mimic real cities that we see in real life as a bit of a challenge. Most of those cities will start off as a smaller town or settlement and then grow into something larger. So there's no story in Southport. It's just a matter of like, well, it's a port city and it started off with a small town. So we're gonna have buildings that look like they're from an older time period and then move forward into buildings that are modern. And that's enough to kind of say, okay, well, that section over there will be old, this section over here will be new, and that informs the kind of building you're going to be doing in different areas. And so just having that sense of history, I find, is is a big one. If you yeah. were... Uh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Now, I, I think um, law really isn't necessary to start building at all, and I think sometimes buildings can inspire law, and not the other way around. Like, if you just start with a building style that you like and you think, oh, I, I want to build a skyscraper, or I want to build, like, a, a kind of rustic inn then the whatever you end up building sort of informs what else should be around it like there's no need to build a skyscraper if there isn't a city around it because a single skyscraper on its own just feels a little bit out of place and lonely um if you want to build a rustic inn then that's going to be a place people will travel to so you maybe want to have a couple of other dwellings nearby and it's got a you know a road that passes through you maybe want to build a stables and that can grow out into a town from there you just have to think logically about the kind of stuff that would be around that in the real world. Uh, you're obviously working with a fantasy kind of footprint there with the nether stuff, but you think about the structures that are in the nether already. Do you want to maybe adapt those for the overworld? Do you want to build structures that look more at home in the overworld but with nether materials? You can have that stuff be informed by the stuff that is just in Minecraft and is already around you without having to reach super far for some sort of fantasy idea that you have to spring fully formed from your head, you know? Um, I think it sounds like you know what you want to build, uh, referring here to Mr. Booch's email. It's just a matter of having confidence in the idea, because you've got the idea of the nether, you know, just being plonked into the middle of the overworld on an island. Maybe you want segments of the nether structures to be in there. You want like a a broken off section of nether fortress or a bastion or something like that. Or maybe even. If this has been lifted out of the nether from a previous point in space and time design what the bastions used to look like and do the kind of stuff that we were talking about previously where effectively you are renovating the idea of a bastion instead of having this crumbled down ruined version that we see in the nether right now um and it may be a case that if you're on a single player or a multiplayer server it might be fun to bring other players in especially if you're not confident in your own building skills but you have a friend who is a dynamite builder superb opportunity for collaboration and then maybe you can do them a favor by helping them terraform something that they're not you know super great at doing or just gather resources for them if that is your jam
0: yeah i think that um having the existing lore in Minecraft that people often forget about you know like they always kind of want to reach for these grand stories and stuff when some of the 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 buildings and designs in the modern city are built around the simple fact that water elevators are a thing in Minecraft and we've just accepted that we're going to put them in the city rather than trying to build elevators that reflect the real world because that would yeah. take forever and be not convenient to travel up 160 blocks, one piston at a time. Yes, <laughs> you know. So we just said, all right, well, everything's got water elevators, and that dictates a huge amount of the design on the inside of the buildings because you have to dedicate water columns and space vertically in the building for it and all that kind of stuff. And it's been fun too. Uh, so stuff like not looking too far outside of Minecraft for inspiration. Um, I like the idea of bringing the Nether. I think he even said something about, it, or, or they even said something about a a, a, a matrix glitch sort of thing. You know, so so maybe, uh, you know, having some modern buildings or things that look like Tron or uh, sci-fi or just I'm trying to remember what the Matrix had for visual storytelling, you know, things like that. Is it going to be dirty and gritty or is it going to be a clean, clean overworld with a dirty, gritty nether kind of poking up into it? Um, I I do find that something you can get a lot of reference images for these days is like the nether invading the overworld. That tends to be a, a kind of a go-to I see a lot on, on YouTube and, and different images um if you're looking for just straight up shape language and ideas um this will help you with your terraforming as well i've mentioned this on the show a couple times before but i think we have a lot of new listeners over the last few weeks Uh, artstation.com if you want to browse for environment concept art or another tip for buildings is isometric top-down game art so think the kind of stuff you'd see in like mobile games you know top-down stuff like um uh, Stardew Valley, that kind of a thing. Concept art for that is usually very chunky because it has to be read at a small scale. And if it's chunky, it's very easily translated to Minecraft. Uh, I talked about this actually in my personal Discord recently. Um, legoideas.com is also a great inspiration for people doing wild and wonderful things with Lego, which is already made of blocks. So again, if you're trying to figure out how many bricks. The roof is versus how many bricks the door is uh using lego as a reference is great because it's already it's not perfect blocks it's not perfectly cubed but it's close and so you can really kind to of get a lot of inspiration there especially for medieval buildings i find that lego also lends itself more to medieval or like not modern city stuff so much as like skyscrapers but more of like that 1960s kind of like smaller town buildings where they'll have like shops in the bottom and apartments on top and things like that so more of a quaint feel you'll get a lot of uh, inspiration from lego as well i'll put a little asterisk and disclaimer for things like artstation.com sometimes the content can be a little bit more adult not safe for work so just check with people depending on you know where you are and before you check it because you are searching through a lot of art and art can be a lot of things to a lot of people but if you're honing it down to concept art for environments it's usually pretty safe
1: yeah uh going back to the single player versus multiplayer um i i think having server mates around as inspiration is a really great thing it's it's really fun seeing firsthand how other people build and you know whether you end up taking your cues from their build style or if you do your own thing it definitely feels like a creative atmosphere more so than just playing in single player and uh going back to that question about whether you'd want to switch to the opposite of what we currently do Uh, I played on multiplayer servers for five years, uh, mostly on the Decidedly Vanilla server and a couple of offshoots of that that were started by the various server members, some of whom have gone on to do uh, Legacy, SMP right now. Mythical Sausage and F Whip were both former server mates of mine on on DV. And um, yeah, the server life worked pretty well for me for a long time, and I think maybe still would, but um, I have certain things that I really like about single player now that I wouldn't want to give up, mainly because I have this whole YouTube series tied into it more than anything else, and I I think having full control over the world, even though you have to do everything yourself, allows you to set your own pace. The, The flip side of multiplayer servers, even though you have a lot of other people around you who can gather resources for you, sell them, you know, if you aren't inclined to gather a ton of stuff yourself then you can always, you know, chuck a few diamonds in the direction of somebody who needs them um multiplayer servers often reach a point where a few players can't really keep pace with anyone else uh time commitments if everyone's not you know committing the same amount of time to it each week it can start to feel like some people fall behind and if that's you then it means you end up kind of out of sync with everybody else if you didn't have time to jump into a server right when the nether update happened you log in and suddenly everybody's got full netherite armor and is grinding away with you know ancient debris this ancient debris that and you're still there trying to you know put together your set of diamond tools so uh the thing about single player is that you can play everything at your own pace it avoids you getting burnt out on the game if you want to stay committed to it uh to just measure out that pace over a longer period of time and also avoids you getting burnt out on an update quite so early because you spend a lot of time just working towards very specific goals instead of having your server mates race to get to that stuff you can play single player for ages without killing the ender dragon but then on a server people are going to want to kill the ender dragon pretty quickly because it means access to shulker boxes and that's a vital part of other people's play styles. So I think there's a a certain balance to be had there and since leaving Decidedly Vanilla and uh, multiplayer play in general I have found myself learning so much more about the technical side of the game simply because I have to Um, and the depth of Minecraft is really kind of opening up to me in that way um, because I used to avoid redstone and stick to building, uh, and there were other people on servers who would make iron farms and, you know, various contraptions and stuff for me, uh, but now I'm a jack of all trades and I feel like I'm getting more value out of the game as a result. I have a much greater understanding of stuff like redstone and mob spawning mechanics and just how Minecraft works under the hood because there's nobody around to build an iron farm for me and I have to do it myself. Um, so that's what I get out of single player really and I could go back to playing multiplayer if the right thing came along and if I didn't have the survival guide to think about I, I don't want to put too much time into two vanilla series at once uh, because I feel like I would be giving 50% of my effort to both instead of giving it my all on one series that I was really excited about which is what I do right now with the survival guide and yeah I, I feel like that my-, my-, my jam is single player right now and that might change in future. I don't think it's such a huge change to make that happen, but I think it's uh, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of what what's around you, what you have access to, and the single player game in Minecraft is incredibly deep if you want to get that far into it
0: one last point before we wrap things up uh, i think that you can also control that yourself to a certain extent uh in terms of whether you would, or not you want to keep pace with everybody else um, steven one of the server mates on uh, the citadel has been away for a while and he's back uh, but as he's been away for a year or more like he's behind in terms of if he if he looks at it too broadly he feels like he hasn't accomplished much but that's the thing about the server is that you can play however you want so there are certain things that he's not using he's not using certain farms that we have because he feels like he wants to as you mentioned learn how that mechanic works in the game decide whether it's worth it for him to build his own or or be just like this isn't fun slash i don't have this much time i'm just going to (laughs) go to joel's farm that he says i can use and get the stuff that i need um And I think that's great, because it means that, you know, for servers that have time constraints, because let's face it, Minecraft is a time intensive game, no matter which way you play it. Uh, You can choose to play at your own pace, depending on the community. And then if you need to, or if you're just like, oh, I just I just don't have time this week. I really need these hoppers and I just don't have the time to grind for iron. Then you can go and use the modern iron farm or whatever that you maybe you didn't build yourself, but it can kind of get you up to speed as you see fit. And uh, there's a wonderful gray area with minecraft and that you can really kind of play it however you want um but uh with time constraints that's what keeps me from going back to a single player i think personally from an artistic and a creative side of things i would like a single player what i don't like is i've invested three years in a server and i have all the things that i need at my fingertips i don't want to go back to square one i just Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i just it's because i just get frustrated it's like ah my block palette is now four things (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> You're like I have, to be,
1: I... <laughs> I have to build with Oakwood again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> exactly. And so that's what
0: restrains me. It's not It's not that I don't like the single player aspects. It's, it's just a time investment. And I think I've said a number of times before, either on this podcast or on my own streams, where if I was to go do a single player, I would want it to be very different. Like I did a short uh, Skyblock series. I would maybe invest single player into a modded series just cause I've never played modded for any length of time or seriously, because for the same reasons that you are getting so much out of your um, survival guide, uh, let's play. I would learn a lot of modded if I had to do it all myself. Like if I just committed to single player modded for a while, I would have to learn all the different mods that are popular and just I would have to sort that out. And I can't do that just from re- reporting on it week to week. Um, but that's the only reason that I would do a single player because I would, it would be ultimately, like you said, dividing my time between the Citadel and something else
1: yeah definitely well it's been a very full mailbag this week and thank you all so much for those emails you can of course send them into the usual address which joel will have for you in a second but that is going to be it for this episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show and things uh links to some of the things we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. the music for the show was composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud as ever to be a listener supported podcast even more proud this week because we have a bunch of new folks joining the community thank you all so much for stopping in uh if you get some value out of the show you can consider putting some value back in at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks that will get you into our community pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and gets you listening in to the show live as we record it we've recorded this entire episode live in discord with a bunch of our patrons listening in our next goal is to do this more regularly but have a monthly minecraft audio hangout with our patrons just a private thing that will probably go up on the patreon rss feed afterwards and it's just going to be us shooting the breeze with the people in the chat and kind of getting their feedback on what they've been doing in minecraft lately effectively an extended version of the quick login that we do but with community involvement in the text chat and we can discuss what everyone's been up to lately so if that sounds like your jam Join up on Patreon and get us closer to our next milestone goals. We currently have 194 patrons, which is another increase from last week, but there is always room for more. Special thanks go out to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski Greena Kanuk, J.D. Williamson, Yakov uh, Nastin, and Yitz for your support on this episode.
0: Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at the Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast with your friends. Poke a friend in the arm and say, hey, you should listen to this. It's a cool podcast. The email for the show is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. You can subscribe for free on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Please leave us a star rating on the Apple Podcast app. It's a great way for listeners to discover the podcast. People are just out there looking for Minecraft podcasts. They'll find it the better it's reviewed. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended
1: version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixlriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch where the ancient debris... Uh, Pile is ever-growing right now. It's all behind-the-scenes work for the survival guide series I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search And aside from that, I'm at Rifts on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? everything
0: i'm doing online including my illustration and design portfolio is at joelduggan.com you can just drop me a line through the website there if you're interested in talking about a project the citadel cafe is my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment that has had a couple of weeks off but we're back tomorrow i'm recording with megan it's gonna be a lot of fun that's at the and of course you can follow me at joel duggan on social media and joel duggan on twitch where i stream pretty regularly i want to say about three times a week myself
1: thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite but the mail still gets delivered